who does your CFO report to? And I said, our COO. And he said, why? I said, because I'm super busy as the CEO doing this. And I need our chief operating officer to have all of these other people reporting to him. And he said, but Suzanne, in my conversations with you, your number one place of insecurity. I said, exactly. That's why I want the CFO to report to the COO. And he said, oh, no. Delegate that which you know. Keep that which you don't. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality. And that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. Today, we're joined by the incredible Suzanne Mushin, a titan in the business realm and a fervent champion for women's empowerment. Suzanne will be taking us through her journey from her initial steps in the corporate ladder to her influential role at Bonfire, a groundbreaking platform championing women in their professional pursuits. Throughout this episode, Suzanne will shed light on the challenges she's faced, the pivotal role of mentorship and sponsorship, and the intricate interplay of personal faith in a professional setting. We'll also delve into the evolution of the workplace, particularly for women, and discuss the inherent biases in traditional work constructs. Key takeaways for today, grasp the nuanced difference between mentorship and sponsorship and their impact on career trajectories. Uncover the hurdles women encounter in the corporate sphere and strategies to overcome them. Delve into the intersection of personal faith and professional aspirations. Explore the changing landscape of work and its ramifications for women. Learn from Suzanne's transition from the airwaves to the podcasting world. Understand the importance of recognizing one's unique contribution to a larger mission or vision. Dive into the dynamics that make a business partnership thrive and so much more. Uh, welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hero of the Hour podcast. I'm here with a very, very special guest today, Suzanne, Suzanne Muchin, who is an entrepreneur. She's an assistant clinical professor at Northwestern. Uh, she's Asso an investor. Associate. 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 You're, oh, yeah. uh, you're also... You know, in acad academia... It is title obsessed. Oh, I I will I will get that right. So that's why I'm putting my glasses on so I can read it. <laughs> so you're not only a professor, you're an entrepreneur, you're a podcast host, and, and unlike me, a good one, and uh, you're an investor as well. How do you how do you get it all done? You know what? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't. So I'm I'm not a believer in work life balance as a philosophy where. 
you have these beautiful days where, you know, it's all kumbaya and you have these meditations in the morning and then your days just balance themselves out. You know, some days you don't get it all done. I think it's more um, of interval training, like an athlete who's in season. That's how it feels. I find so many people also, it's, it's men and women. There's just so much on their plate that they are they're they're just melting down and we didn't even talk about any things you have in personal life of of the other responsibilities you have you know after all of your 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 vocational your your vocational issues but um you know i i am as you know Suzanne, i'm a, a father of five we've got two girls and uh for for the people who are out there watching this podcast uh, i was introduced to suzanne as a founder or co-founder of a company called bonfire and when I immediately spoke to her, I knew I knew I needed to be an investor, not only because I thought it was a great company, but I thought the purpose was so spot on. Why don't you share with people uh, how you how you how you came to Bonfire and and tell people about it? Because I think it's something that's going to be a game changer in our country. Well, thank you for that. And you and I immediately bonded. You know, I I also am a mother of five, two girls, three boys. So I remember we had that in common. So Bonfire is a talent development accelerator for mid-level career women. And so very simply put, what that means is that for companies who want their women who, let's call it eight to 15 years into their career, to really thrive and keep at it, stay in the workforce and take on leadership roles, they need to focus on them and give them more um, skill development, resources, network capacity earlier on in their career. And that just isn't happening. And so we see that dropout happening and women just aren't making it into the leadership roles in their companies at a large enough rate. So what Bonfire came, how it really came about, to be honest, was I was in, let's call it semi-retirement. I mean, I'm never retired. People like me don't really retire, but I was living a pretty good life. I had sold my last company in 2012, and I was mostly focusing on being a professor at Kellogg at Northwestern University. And Rachel, my longtime business partner and best friend, she and I had left our last company with our five biggest and, and most fun clients and life was good. But then the Me Too movement started. And like you, I have daughters and my daughters were entering the workforce. And here's what I discovered, Mark. This was, let's call it 2017. I discovered that all of the sudden, I was everyone's favorite board member. And I was everyone's favorite podcast host. And I was everyone's favorite fireside chat host. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh my God, you think I'm a woman. Like, I actually had no idea you thought I was a woman. I thought you thought I was just Suzanne Mushin, like a badass professional <laughs> person. But you think I'm a woman. And I had no idea you thought of me that way until now. And if you think of me that way, what about our daughters? What about the people with much less privilege than me? What about all of the other women 
who are not as successful as I am. What about them? So I called up Rachel. I said, we're coming out of retirement. We're going to do one more thing together. And she and I had been business partners for over 20 years. I said, we're going to do one more thing. And we need to build this company. And we need to build it now. And it cannot focus on the C-suite women, more women in the C-suite or more women on corporate boards, because it's that's too late. If, if those women have already made it, they don't need more. It's this women in the thick part of the pyramid where culture is built at companies. Those women need our focus. So I pulled Rachel out of retirement. I raised a $2 million seed round and off we went. There's a lot more, but I'll stop there. Well, I, first of all, I uh, I see you as many things, but I see you as a badass first. So I just want to go on record, <laughs> I want to go on record as a record Thank uh, you. As say, saying that. But I, I was going to say the though for who who is this? You know, there's there's a lot of people, a lot of women watching this podcast. There's a lot of uh, people that that uh, employ women on watching this podcast. Who would be appropriate to explore Bonfire? So we're an enterprise facing model. So our customers are the companies and. The women are the beneficiaries of Bonfire. They go through our accelerator program. They go through a six-month experience with us where they're getting skill development. They're getting a cohort experience where they're meeting other women literally from around the globe. It's all a virtual experience that is highly curated, very focused, very intentional. But the beneficiary is also the customer client companies. So this is for quite literally, Mark, any company that has women who are in this range, eight to 15 years. And let me give you an interesting statistic. So BMO, who is one of our larger clients, did an internal study recently and found that bonfire women were 3x more likely to stay at BMO than their comparative employees of the same age, same levels of employment, three times more likely from a retention point of view to stay. That's a pretty darn good statistic for the company in an era in which we have, you know, people leaving, people job hopping, and so for the company, it is very good, especially because we're focused on not just women as diversity, but a diverse group of women. You know, the number one thing I hear from our clients is they can't find people or they can't find good people. And there's a war on talent out there. And so one of the things I was so excited about Bonfire for any company of any size is that it's certainly really affordable. But the idea is it's certainly not an expense. It's an investment. And I, I just was blown away, which is why I wanted to be part of the company. Um, and so I, I thought it was I thought it was absolutely absolutely terrific. One of the things I know knows in your, your bio, which I was I'm fascinated, and we have not had a chance to talk about it, but I think the one of the best skill sets that people need to have is the power to influence. I mean, I think that's what we're hired to do in almost any job. For sure. And and your quote and your what you teach is selling yourself and your ideas. So I, I I can't think of a more powerful topic. So I want I want to I want to find out more about that. You do want to find out more about that, Mark, because it is actually um, 
among the most popular courses at Kellogg. You can't get into it, it actually. You you personally couldn't get into it, even knowing me. You couldn't. It's interesting. <laughs> Kellogg is a marketplace system as a business school. And so what that means is students are given 3,000 points at the start of the school year, and then they have to bid on courses to get in. And so it's an open marketplace. And by the way, once the bidding starts, everyone can see it. So you know what students bid on, you know the value of your course in the marketplace. You know it, the students know it, the other professors know it, the deans know it. It's a very stressful situation. But our course has been consistently at the top of the bidding list with a wait list. And we will, by the way, put over 500 students through the course this academic year and still have a wait list. And they will often spend over half of their bid points just to get in. And here's the reason why. It is exactly what you said, which is there is no more important skill in today's economy of career and career building than influence. There just isn't. I mean, knowledge is now a commodity. And so we have to look at the other skills that really lead leaders to be able to succeed. And so what we teach starts with an interesting theory, which is ideas are not sold, they are bought. And if that's true, then you have to be able to actually have a particular quality, which many people think cannot be taught, but it can, which is tactical empathy. And tactical empathy, as I will explain it, is not sympathy. Sympathy is a feeling. Empathy is a skill. And tactical empathy is the ability to understand what the person across from you is thinking, getting behind their brain, actually understanding it at a very deep level, caring enough about it, actually caring enough about it to want to meet that need. And then the question becomes, do you actually have the skill set to be able to talk to that person in a way that allows them to feel and trust that you will meet that need? And the skills of doing that are the skills of influence, but not in the old like Carnegie way. Like we don't do that. We're really operating in 2023 in a world where Trust is your currency and relationships move at the speed of trust. But behind that are very nuanced skills like storytelling, having what we call a pointy point of view, which also means I have to be able to tell you exactly what I think and hold the floor, even if you disagree with me. And in fact, Mark, particularly if you disagree with me. That makes sense. And so and so on. Well, that's uh no, that I, I would think that anybody that came out of that course and could successfully navigate that would uh would have mastered probably the most important skill in business and in life. So I can see why there's a wait list on that. I can't think of a more useful uh class than that in terms of practicality and and a skill you can use for the rest of your life. You know, I I, I know you're a mentor. I've been a I, I'm a mentor. Uh, you know, one of the things in our organization as we've encouraged people to become mentors, not only internally, but externally, 
there were a few people in the beginning who thought they were doing people a favor by mentoring. And in a way they were, they were lifting up some of the newer people in our organization. But I think quickly we've gotten people to understand that the best way to master a subject on a deep level is to teach it to somebody else. And uh, and and so I know you're a mentor at 1871 and at Techstars. I'd I'd love your your take on why do you do it and and what do you give and what do you get out of being a being a, a superb mentor. Uh, so first of all, let me separate two terms that I think really matter. I'm going to separate the term mentor from sponsor, right? So for me, a mentor is someone who is intentionally teaching a skill set that is specific to the needs of the person they're facing, not a generic skill set. And it's a time-limited relationship. A sponsor is someone who puts their name against yours and is willing to actually have you move forward in your career over time, in part because they will shout your name into rooms when you aren't there, into rooms of opportunity. And women in particular need both. And so I find myself in those situations at both places like 1871, a tech hub, and places like Techstars, which is growing new companies, as both a mentor and a sponsor, because you can't leave people with just skills. They often need those introductions that are just like, you know, to some extent, our mutual friend David Kirschenbaum served as a sponsor that led me to you, right? He put his name against mine, which led you to trust me, even though you and I didn't know each other very well and led you to take the meeting with me, right? Yes. So that sponsorship is more valuable to me over time than any one skill set you might teach me in a transactional way. So I do both. And what I would say is, uh, I once had a mentor, and I actually tell this story in class at times that I didn't ask for, but he taught me one of the more valuable lessons in life that I often pass on. So Jim Leotoud, who has passed away, was the father of Jimmy of Jimmy John's. I don't know if you've ever had a Jimmy John's sandwich. but Yes, I have. Okay, so James Sr. was Jimmy's father and owned 65 patents and encountered me in a meeting about 15 years ago and said, I'm going to be your mentor. Now, I did not ask him for him to be my mentor. And I didn't know what it meant. I really was like, what, what does this mean? I, I didn't ask. He was like, I, I want to bet on you and I'm going to teach you everything I know about business. Now, I'm a busy person. I'm, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm not saying I was arrogant enough to think I knew everything, but I certainly didn't ask for this mentor. So here's what he said to me, Mark. He said, we are going to meet every other week at the Four Seasons at this table. Okay. And you are going to bring me your P&L. You're going to bring me these documents and we're going to go through them with a fine tooth comb. And you are going to tell me all of your business issues and I'm going to talk them through with you one by one by one so that I can teach you everything I know. And 
I was like, really? Like, did I sign up for this? Because I don't (laughs) think I did, right? And it was non-optional. But I will tell you, I learned more in that like six-month period than I did in like six years of running a company. And I will tell you the number one thing I learned from him. He once asked me, so who does your CFO report to? And I said, our COO. And he said, why? I said, because I'm super busy as the CEO doing this and this and this. And I need our chief operating officer to have all of these other people reporting to him. And he said, but Suzanne, in my conversations with you, your number one place of insecurity are the are the finances, are the numbers. I said, exactly. That's why I want the CFO to report to the COO, who's much better than I am at the numbers. And he said, oh, no. Delegate that which you know. Keep that which you don't. Wow. And he said, I want you to go back to the office today and change your reporting system. And I did. And it changed everything. By the way, uh, that's, uh, but I'm now I'm going to use that about five thousand times in the next year. That is a uh, that is incredibly powerful. That is what an amazing piece of advice that is. Incredible, right? So uh, that's the kind of mentoring that I'll take, that I'll take, and I will use. But otherwise, um, sponsorship all day long. Notice that life is getting more and more expensive? From grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn, prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth, and in most cases, multi generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy, but the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision and so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. How about you're starting to be honored by a lot of uh, prestigious organizations and awards uh, why don't you tell uh, the people are watching this about the Human Rights Medallion Award? I really appreciate you asking about that. Honestly, um, I really do because I'm actually a, a person of faith, and I am not someone who shies away from expressing that. Not in an in a um, I don't um, evangelize. I don't impose it on other people, but. The reason that it my Jewish faith comes up in the workplace is, for example, I don't 
teach on Friday nights because mm-hmm. I observe the Jewish Sabbath. It often comes up from a political point of view because I'm on a campus. And on a campus, there are often issues around the state of Israel. Um, I often have students who will come to me for either advice or to speak for them. And it's hard. And it's very hard to also be a public figure at a company like Bonfire and have to walk this very interesting line between having private feelings about my faith, about political views, and yet to lead a very diverse group of people who I know have a wide range of of views. So the role that I've really tried to play, which I think the Human Rights Medallion Award reflects, is to try to really have an understanding of what it takes to have difficult conversations across many different perspectives and points of view, while still holding on to my core beliefs about what is right for my people and for the world, and to really invest in what the Jewish faith would call tikkun olam, which is making the world a better place, and to do that in a way that I hope never makes the person on the other side of the table feel imposed upon or not listened to. So it was a very meaningful award. It was also meaningful because um, I received it with my husband. And the beautiful thing, too, which I know you can envision, is our five adult children were the chairs of of the event, right? Which, you know, we often go to these events where, you know, they have very prestigious people in the community who host the event. But in this case, it was our children. Um, And then Governor Pritzker, who's a, a dear friend, but also a very, you know, the stand-up person in the community introduced us and gave us the award. Um, so it was a very beautiful moment for us. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. How do, how do your five kids reconcile themselves when they have a parent that's such a powerhouse? Is how 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 did they how did each of them navigate that in their life? It's come up in a very interesting way recently because first of all, my um, second oldest son is now a student at Kellogg. Okay. So, um, and that's very new. Um, now I, Mushin is my, is my maiden name and I've never changed it. So my children do not have my last name, which is relevant to this answer. So my son who's at Kellogg, his last name is not Mushin. Okay. My youngest son recently started working at 1871. Okay. His last name is not Mushin either. And in both of those environments, using my name is a very powerful thing. And they are both very, very aware of the pros and cons of doing that. In fact, we were just talking about it last night with my father at dinner. Because when you grow up with someone whose name can offer privilege as a child, that is often not a good thing um, and does not actually help you when you're trying to earn your own um, path in life. And we've really been clear, and I'm curious as to how you have navigated this with your children, but we've really asked our children to be conscious always of the introductions they make, of what they ask of us, 
all of our children work independently in their own fields and we help them from a networking point of view and we'll always support them. But they know that it's cringeworthy, you know, to walk into a room and like if if my son went around at Kellogg and, and put, you know, figuratively on his shirt, I'm Professor Mushin's son, I think that would not bode well for him. It just it, right for, for all kinds of reasons. But I think used strategically, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But I'm curious, have you, how have you done that with your own children? I just think that children at, at one point will say, you know, how am I going to ever be more successful than my father or 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 a mother? And and I think they the 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 gift would be when they flip the script and they decide, you know, I can I can take what my father has built and stand on his shoulders and do things he's never thought of or never created. And they then they have their own path. And I think the the to me the number one job of a of a of a of an entrepreneur is to protect his or her confidence. But I also think that it's okay to fail, you know, meaning that ultimately I think it's, it's helping your, you know, that, that I think our job as parents is to help is not to make them happy or not to protect them, but to help them make good choices in life. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and, and get them to understand that when they do fail, that that's just one step closer to success or with every problem, there's an opportunity and, and how they, and just how they navigate the world, um, with, with a mindset, because, you know, they, they grow up with, different problems. Many people would love to change, you know, exchange problems of our children have, but they also still comes with real problems. And I think that's the navigation piece is to help them through that. And and the and the crazy thing, I don't know about you, Suzanne, but I, I was raised by wolves. You know, I I, I there's no book on this. I like I'm right. trying to make it up as I go along. Yeah. I'm with Lisa. Right. We're trying to just do the do everything we can do to to uh you know we have a blended family and, and we're doing everything we can to raise five healthy yeah. children. But I'm doing the best I can. I, I with the tools I have. I, 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 I you know, I, I hope I, I'm, I'm not going to get my report card for another twenty years or so. You know. So what's interesting that you said, and I could not agree more, is you do your best to let your children, each of them, differently define success on their own terms. Because if the bubble over their head is, how can I be more successful than my parents? That success is based on your definition and my definition of what we thought success was being raised by wolves, right? Like Mm -hmm. we didn't know what success was. So we made it up as we went along and ended up here or there. And my definition of success and your definition of success might even be very different from one another. And so even part of what we do at Bonfire is we try to give the women from an empowerment point of view, this idea And I say this with full respect to you and to all men, because I want to be clear about something at Bonfire. Bonfire is not of women, by women, for women, only to the benefit of women. We we truly believe that when women rise, it's good for everyone, everyone, men included. But I will say this, work as a construct was built by men for men in a world in which women weren't working. So work hasn't been working for women for a very, very long time because we entered this place and this space that wasn't made for us. It really wasn't made for women who were giving birth and 
had primary responsibility for children and household, you know, it wasn't made for us. And I say all this to say one of the messages we send to the women of Bonfire and surely what we say to our children, the boys and the girls, is success has so many dimensions. And I saw something that I really loved um, on Instagram yesterday, which said, in this new generation, and you can call them Gen Z, whatever you want to call them, one of the badges of honor is a healthy nervous system. And what that means to me, and I agree with this, is that they're not burned out. They're not overly anxious all the time. And while we can say, okay, but isn't that teaching them to work less or be lazy? I don't think so. I think it's trying to teach them that there's more to life and that doesn't mean work doesn't matter. It means that work needs to play a role in a bigger idea of success. That's what I think. You know, it makes me think now as, as you know, I, I'm dealing with more and more millennials that uh, I, I, what I don't want to do is become the, the old man who goes out on the lawn and just yells at everybody. But, uh, you know, so, so I am, I'm, we're trying, we're trying to, you know, kind of reconform to what, what they want to do. But I think, there are some guiding principles, I think, of that uh, that folks are 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 missing the boat. I think in this generation, in terms of what they need to do to be truly successful, but but maybe you know maybe work life balance was out of work was out of out of balance for people. And I think at some point, it doesn't mean that you know. I think if you want to have you know success and you want to have uh, you know health, you want to have wealth, you want to have love, you want to have purpose, and you want to get all four of those things working in the right balance for you. But I think that at the same sometime there's there's got to be one or two of them that are temporarily out of balance to really achieve what you want to achieve, or you're I not going to be successful in all of them. So it's not going to be like a linear having all four. But you know how did you how did you go run a company and raise five kids and do this and you know so I'm sure there were times you're out of balance. And so the idea oh, yeah. would be to to figure out how you can continue to moderate and and and, and mitigate that going forward. But with, with the limited time we have left, there's so many things I'd like to talk to you about. Yeah. But I, I've heard you describe yourself as a quarterback of big ideas. Tell, tell people that are watching this what that means. I am, I have a very specific definition of what an idea is. So to me, an idea is a very precious thing. It's not an opinion and it's not a concept. An idea is the solution to a problem that many people feel that can manifest itself in a way that has a market demand and can therefore go to market and scale and has a design element to it such that it can be touched and felt both figuratively and literally by the people who find it of use. And in order to manifest that kind of concept, you need a lot of players involved. You need money people. You need mattering people, meaning influence people. You need um, operational people, technical people 
And all of those people need a quarterback. And to me, a quarterback is somebody who sees the plays and has no fear running them and knows so many plays that they always have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, depending on who they're playing on the other side, but is also very willing to be coached. And so for me, I know my role relative to an idea. And I think that the problem that too many entrepreneurs have is that they see what needs to be done. They, they, ha- they get excited about something and, and they see the possibilities of it, but they aren't clear enough about what their role is relative to what needs to be done. So I always ask myself, and, and this is the question of the hour, I think, for all of us, what is mine to do relative to what needs to be done? Because if you can answer that question, your life is so much better. Do that one more time. What is mine to do relative to what needs to be done? Because it's one thing, Mark, to be the person who sees what needs to be done. But unless you're also super clear about what is yours to do relative to what needs to be done, you will always be less happy, less successful more exhausted, and less on gift. And so to me, my relationship to the idea is knowing what is mine to do relative to what needs to be done. And I'm very, very lucky to have a business partner for my whole adult life, Rachel Bellow, who knows the difference between a good idea and a bad idea. Because left to my own devices, I would just be running the plays. I would just be going like, got the ball, take it to market, let's go. And Rachel would is has been the saving grace of my career because she's saying to me, oh, no, you don't. You need to make sure this idea is truly a good idea. And, and I will also say, Mark, thanks to me, ideas go to market because left to her own devices, Rachel would get stuck down the rabbit hole testing the idea. That's that's, that's why a, we have, right. That's a, that's a great partnership. It's a great partnership. You, you know, the last question I have for you is you've already told us we can't get into your course at Northwestern. We're not even <laughs> students there. So we're not, I'm not going to ask to get into those students, but if you're, if you're, uh, uh, two questions, if you're employing women in your company and you want to take them to the next level? How do they get in touch with Bonfire? And if people want to hear more brilliance from you, how can they how can they find out more about your readings, teachings, and uh and 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 thought and thinking? That's so nice. Well thank you. So Bonfire's website, which is bonfirewomen.com, has all the ways that you can get in touch with Bonfire. And I would say if you are one of three people, you are either a woman in the workforce or someone who identifies as female, and you are, let's call it eight to 20 years into your career. 20 is probably a little on the later stage in your career, but if you're in that sort of earlier phase, mid phase, go to the website, 
you'll see where to connect. You do need to come in through your company, but that's as easy as a tap on the shoulder to your manager. Or you are a manager of a team, and that team can be two people, three people, a thousand people. Go to Bonfire. Or if you're the head of a business unit or have a resource budget like DEI or L&D, Learning and Development, or Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, you have a resource budget that supports talent, you're our customer. So if, and if the problem that's keeping you up at night is talent and diverse talent and keeping talent, then you should be going to bonfirewomen.com. And, you know, as far as hearing more from me, I will say, so Rachel and I've had a podcast since podcasts weren't a thing. And we have more than a hundred plus episodes. The podcast used to be called The Big Payoff. It got rebranded only recently as the Bonfire Podcast with Rachel and Suzanne. But all of the episodes got rebranded. I will say, and I apologize to your team about this, it is rated E for explicit. And that's because I swear like a truck driver. And so does Rachel. And I apologize right now. And I have to always apologize to people who know me in the business world. Like, I don't know why the F it is labeled that way, but I will say that there's a lot of swearing on it, but there's a ton of content there. Just a ton. I appreciate both content and swearing. So it sounds like a perfect podcast for me to listen to. So I, uh, I will, uh, I will, will appreciate that. Oh my God. I, I will. T- just, do we have time for a very short podcast yeah. story? So, so I'd, how- love to, I'd love to hear the podcast story. Quick, quick podcast story. So I, um, so it, it's actually a radio story the, because before we were on podcast, Rachel and I um, were on a business talk radio show called um, the business lunch hour. And we were so bad. I mean, Mark, we were so bad. We were so bad that people, that our callers hung up on us. <laughs> like they were calling for business advice and we were so bad because here's what was happening. We, Rachel and I are like, uh, I mean, we're best friends. We, le- we were so busy entertaining each other that the engineer in the room, like in the glass room, okay, and this was going out to like hundreds of thousands of people live would would go to us like cut cut like he'd be like gesturing cut cut and we'd be like what and he'd give us the like hang up the phone like they've hung up they're gone you got right until finally the producer came in he's like you guys are awful you're terrible like wow <laughs> and so finally they're like maybe we should try this thing called a podcast and Rachel and I are like what the f is a podcast yeah, podcasts. Well, well it's clear to me you you have a partner in crime uh, in in business where you could not be as bold or as bawdy if uh, if you did not have a a partner that was uh, encouraging you and and you encouraging her all the way too. Um, I mean, that, that is that's why I was kidding you before the the uh, this is our first season with a podcast and you know I, I think there's some things we do really well and are so proud of but one of them is not being a podcast host. So I always you're doing say, great. I you're doing say, great. I always say I'm going to rename the 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 uh, podcast, the Hero of the Hour podcast, the only podcast you can't understand. 
So, uh, but uh, I, I, you know, maybe I should just curse a little more or, or uh, maybe, or, or, maybe, maybe you're maybe doing that's great. But you're, it's because I've got great guests like you and I just want to thank you. And uh, I am so excited about Bonfire. I'm well, so thanks excited for to, the opportunity and for yeah. all of your help and support and investment and willingness to jump in head first. Honestly, thank you. And, you know, and I hope we get to, to do a lot more good things, not only together, but for the world. And uh, I'll uh, and, and I just want you to, to have a, a wonderful rest of the day. And thank you for thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian and opinions stated are their own. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048, Arkansas Insurance License.